thing I, I want to share and uh, is that many of you know tonight is a meeting with Keith Luker. Keith was planning to be in here and to be here for 10 days. And um, on Friday, Mike and Keith contacted me and said, They've been doing campus campus outreach also, and amazing things have been going on to campus. It's been amazing, Caleb. And uh, they've just been ministering to the students out there, having spiritual encounters with the students, amazing things. And there's just something that's happening. There's a momentum that's building with the students. And Keith said, I really feel like the Lord told me to stay another week. That there's something that's happening. And, of course, meetings are open for everybody, but they really believe this is, this is the time for the students, too. So it's open for anybody to come. So they ask us, would you be willing to kind of alter your schedules and meetings, and can we have these meetings at the Harvest Building? And we said, certainly can. We prayed about it, felt like the Lord said yes. So um, uh, beginning this week on Monday night, beginning at 7 Set, uh, from Monday through Friday will be at 7, and then on Saturday and next Sunday it will be at 6. But every night there will be a revival meeting here. And so we want to invite you to come out, be a part of that, and uh, just see what God is doing. There is something that's happening in our midst, something that's happening on the campus, and we don't want the move of God for us to be on the sidelines watching the move of God pass us by. We want to be right involved in it. So... Uh, ourselves, along with the dwelling place, along with Spirit and Truth and Harmony Vineyard. We're all together working on this as a citywide thing. So I just want to let you know good news. Good morning, everybody. Who do men say that I am? And then Jesus goes even deeper. He looks them in their eyes and he says, who do you say that I am? Because each and every one of us have to have our own testimony about who God is in our lives. It's great to hear the testimonies of others and see what God is doing in their life, but you can't stand at the pearly gates one day and say, well, so-and-so said this about you, so-and-so said this, because he's going to ask, who am I in your life? So each and every one of us do have a testimony of him being Lord and Savior. We should. If you do not have that testimony yet, you're in the right place. We can help you with that testimony. But the longer you stay with him, the longer he is your Lord and Savior, the bigger and the more testimonies you have. And the greater he becomes. And the more he is. So I can go on for hours and hours about God being provider. And even I'm talking about health today. As you can see in the bulletin, he provides health. But yes, two weeks ago when we started this, I was going to do this teaching and then God said no do something else and that's when we had the amazing testimonies of Jay and Arton and Allison can you remember that well who can forget that let me put it that way so praise God that was amazing and I this morning when I walked in church I saw Kate I said hey how are you doing she said I'm here for healing I was like oh that's why I'm doing today and then I saw somebody else I said how are you doing they said man my body is so so much pain in my body I just said oh that's why I'm doing this today so <laughs> praise Jesus God is good so if you can take your bulletins the very first, or well, one of the verses there, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, we want to look at that. So, to me, after Jesus was Lord and Savior, He healed me from an incurable disease. I'm not going to give my whole testimony, but 
diagnosed with MS, bedridden, all of that stuff, and I should not be doing what I'm doing today. All glory be to God. Okay, so God is good. So to me, he has become, when Pastor Doug and, and Pastor Jason, myself, we were praying about this series, Who Do You Say That I Am? The first thing that pops into my head when anyone asks about Jesus is his healer. He's just that, you know, when you, when you have lost something that you took for granted, I'm not saying that Kate did, but, you know, people come to this church and they think, oh, churches like this, all churches should be like this. They are not. This is a very special place. The love in here, the, the, the freedom, the liberty, the spirit moving here is very, very special. When you go somewhere else and you, then you realize, oh my goodness, I didn't really covet and I didn't really enjoy and I didn't make the best of what I had. So that was me with healing. So when something gets taken away that you took for granted, that's bad. And that's exactly what happened to me. But God, by His grace, He's a restorer. And that's what we did three weeks ago, Redeemer. So today we're going to be talking about healing. But if we read that verse there, it says, First um, Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Edward. So when we talk about healing, many, many times we, we talk about physical. You know, someone is sick, they've got an ache or a pain in their body, you can see it. But healing goes so much further than just physical. And the problem with that is many, many times people who don't look like there's anything wrong, the healing needs to come from the inside. There's something broken on the inside. So you look at someone and their body looks fine and they look all good, but on the inside there's emotional, there's, there's issues in their heart, there's issues in their soul that needs to be healed. And the problem with those people, me being one, is the reason that I started sleeping around, the reason that I started doing all the drugs, the reason that I did all of that was because on the inside I was not healed. And there's only one thing in your life that can fix that brokenness, if I can put it like that. On your, we, we all have that because we were all born in Adam. So don't sit here and say, well, mine is worse than somebody else. You have not. We, we all, don't let the enemy lie to you. We all... We may go for different things in our life to satisfy that. Not everyone goes for drugs, sex, rock and roll, but we go after things. Some money, some power, some work. And you're driven by something just to fix that brokenness in your heart. And you working 23 hours a day and me doing my drugs, it's the same thing. We're just partaking of a different thing. That's all. So it's easy for you to look at me and say, you drug and I can look at you and, you know, and that's what the enemy wants us to do. But there's a brokenness in every one of us because we were born in Adam. So that verse is so amazing where it says he wants to keep us whole, spirit, soul, and body. And many, many times we talk about prosperity and and people get very angry about that because they equate prosperity just with money. But if we look at 3 John 2, it, it says, Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper. It's not talking about money there at all. It's got nothing to do with money there. So prosperity includes money, but it's not just money all by itself. Because you can have a million dollars in the bank, and you can be dying in the hospital from a disease, and the doctor can do nothing for you. You're a poor man with money. So prosperity is not just finances. It includes finances, but it doesn't end there. So when God says, I want you to prosper and be in health, he's talking spirit, soul, and body. Every. And, and financially, spirit, soul, body, and financially. 
but he wants you and I to prosper in every area of our life. How do you prosper in your spirit? You become reborn. How do you prosper in your soul? Having the peace that surpasses all understanding. Guard your soul, your mind and your heart. That's that. So when you are in a, in a full-on frontal collision with another car, and another man is next to the car begging forgiveness, crying, and you standing there, and there's just peace just coming from yourself, radiating out of you. How, that's the peace that surpasses all understanding. Because that should not be. That, that, that's not right. Human nature does not do that. That's the peace of the soul. So, healing, spirit, get reborn. Soul, having that peace, and body, being healthy. Not having aches, not having pains, but being able to do everything God created you to do. Spirit, soul, and body. So, we're going to delve into these three things today. And, I don't, I'm, I'm careful what I'm saying, but I didn't really prepare for today in the sense of, I didn't go to the, the Greek and the Hebrew and look what healing means and, and all of that. Healing is just, I'm just going to speak from what I have in my heart. I, I prepare, I have, a, I have the opportunity every Monday to come to the healing room and prepare for this sermon, this teaching. So healing, I didn't go, so when I say I didn't prepare, it's not that, it, it's just, it, it's just here. That, it's a thing that is so close to me. So when people ask me, hey, Rifle, who did Jesus say, who is he in your eyes? He's the God who heals. Well, how do you know? Well, sit down. Let me tell you a story. I'll tell you. How much time do you have? So in any case, so the things that I'm going to talk about today, not even my revelation. God just allowed me when I started delving into these things. He showed me some, some deeper things and I'm just putting my own spin on it, if I can put it that way. But they didn't even come from me. The first revelation I, I got from Bob Barclay who, you know, people will send great men and women in your life. They're there. They're all around you. you just got to find and connect with them. Those divine connections, they're everywhere you go. God puts them in your life. But it's, it's, it's for us to notice them, to be able to see, wow, there's, there's a connection. God, this is not just, there's something in that. And, and me being able to be in the healing rooms with, with Bob and Betsy above there, there's something there. They're amazing people. And God allowed me to be placed under them and serve them in the healing room. So the first revelation that I got, this is from Bob Barkey. So if this blesses you, go to him after the service. Give him a hug and say, man, that's amazing. Because it truly is. Let us turn to the book of John. John. We're going to talk about our friend Peter. Peter, what an amazing man. Right. John, let me just see here. Chapter, I believe it's 18. Yeah, John chapter 18. This is now where they take Jesus away. They bring him to where he's going to be questioned. And we'll start off here for time's sake just in verse... 15, and Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. So this disciple, John and Peter, they're now in the courtyard of the high priest. 
And the word goes on telling us what they were doing there. In verse 19, the high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered and said, I spoke openly to the world. And he goes on about his teaching. But just here in verse 18, this is where we want to start. Because when we read the Bible, every single verse is breathed by God, the Holy Ghost. Every single word is there for a purpose. There's nothing in the Bible that was there by accident. There was too much space. We needed to fill this blank. Let's just put this word in there. You know, writing on the parchments. Listen, yeah, we've got a bit of ink left. Eeny, meeny, okay, let's put that. No, every single word is there for a reason. And we have to check what Jesus made sure those words are there for. So verse 18. Now the servants and, and officers who had made a fire of coals, stood there, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. So we read about a coal fire. Now if you enjoy making what people in America call barbecues, cookouts, you probably used to gas. Not really familiar with wood, what coals from wood smells like. It's completely different. You, you make it a different way. It smells different. It lasts longer. There, there are many things that go into a fire. I'm South African. Ask me. We know about making meat on a fire. So we're going to read here. It's talking about coals. Very, very important. Why is that word in the Bible? Didn't have to say. It could have just said and they stood around a fire. Why is the word coal in there? For a very specific reason. When I go into the prisons... What used to happen, it doesn't happen anymore because of the grace of God. When you go into the prisons, you have to present a program. You have to do a program in the prison for you to be able to go in and teach. And the faith-based program that we allowed in, people teach things such as Dave Ramsey's University Financial Peace or the you know, people who come out of drug addiction and alcohol, the North Star 12-step program. They teach something like that. And my way into the prison used to be a study method program that my father developed. And it's all about the brain, how the brain works, how, how you study left brain, right brain. It's a phenomenal program. And one of the sections in the study method, it speaks about our five senses and what we partake of through the five senses. So everything you smell, see, all the five senses, that is now in your, in your mind, your brain. It, it, it collects it like a computer. And, and you'll be aware of this. If you were in a car accident and you, you say you went around a corner, it was raining and the car skid, the next time you go to that exact same corner, what are you going to do? You're going to slow down because your mind says the last time you were here, so you remember that. Okay? Who can remember, don't, don't put your hand up, who can remember your very first time you took drugs? Don't raise your hands. The very first time you took a drug. You can remember where you were, who you were with, how much you paid. I mean, the, these things, they're in our minds. And this is what happens is the enemy so many times tricks and, and takes what God meant for good to come to our minds and remember and taste and see that the Lord is good. He comes and he puts bad things and evil things in there. You can remember the song that was playing when you kissed your very first girlfriend or boyfriend. That music, that song, that it's just stuff that's in here and it's stored. Very, very important factor of what our brain is made to do is to store things. And now years later, a smell or a tune, a song, can just you can just hear that song 
and it will take you 20 years back and you can see yourself standing there. Man, when this song played, I was doing that in that place with this. It's, just, it's there. No one has to tell you about it. It's in your mind. And that's the bad thing about the enemy. He uses our magnificent minds that God gave us and he puts evil and bad in there. So that when that song plays again, when you come around that same corner, something comes up because it's in there that was never meant to be put in there in the wrong way. Okay, so we read here about this coal fire. So this is Peter. So now Jesus goes on, and in verse 23, Jesus answered him. He said, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Anna sent him about to Caiaphas, the high priest. And we know what goes on. Jesus just says everything that is true, that is right. And then the cock crows and Peter hears that. And then he remembers that Jesus said, this is going to happen. Can you imagine what was going on in Peter's soul when that animal crowed and he was there and all of these and now Jesus' words come back to him. You who have got my back. You, man, the others can die and run. If you look behind you, I will be there. And now he's there and then that animal crows and he's, can you, uh, you know, can you just think what that man was feeling? What his soul must have felt like at that stage. But now look at the goodness of God because he wants to redeem, he wants to restore, he wants to heal spirit, soul, body, he wants to heal your emotions as well. So now we get Peter and he's standing at this coal fire warming himself because it's cold. And he tells a little servant woman, little servant girl, she asks, aren't you one of him? And he didn't. he's like, oh no, I don't even know that guy. But that coal fire experience now, Jesus has to take away because every time Peter comes around a coal fire, he's going to be remembering that. And just after that, that rooster crowed and all of that. Can you imagine every single time after that, if he stood around a fire, what his soul would be thinking about? Look at the goodness of God, how he brings Peter back. Let's go to chapter... Uh, let's see. 21 of John. John 21. So now this is after Jesus resurrected. These guys don't know what's happening. You know, Jesus is dead. They believed he was a Messiah. He's going to live forever. He's going to restore the people and he's gone. Their king, their ruler, the one that was going to do everything is no more. So this is so bad that Peter decides, listen here, nothing of this is working. I'm going back fishing. And that's so many times what happened. God, God gives us a word. We receive the word and then the enemy comes against that word to take that word away. And then when it doesn't work the way we thought it was going to work out, what do we say? I'm going back to my old ways. I'm going back fishing. This is not working. This can't be God. But it was God and you know it and the enemy is just saying, go back to what you know. And he tries to take that word out of you. Don't allow that. So Peter says he's going back fishing. So in any case, they get to the shore. Uh, we'll start in verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. Has this happened before? Have we read this before? Okay, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus now restoring the emotions, the soul of Peter. Look at the goodness of God does something that exactly took place before, bringing Peter back to another place because he wants to get his soul away from this bitterness and this co... The cr 
cock crowing. Yeah. <laughs> Wants to get him away from that. So Jesus says, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. It's, but Jesus saying, children, not you bunch of losers who ran away. Where were you when I needed you the most? Now you're fishing. You great men of faith. What did he call them? Children. That's the goodness of God. That's the goodness. It doesn't matter what you did. He still cries to your child. That will never ever change. Children, have you got any, any food? They answered him, no. Then he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Man, we've read that before. That was probably one of the greatest days in Peter's life. Have you got anything? No, but we've toiled all night. Okay, we'll cast on the other side. Well, you're a carpenter. You fix toilets and doors. I'm a fisherman and you telling me how to fish? Just do it. And they caught a boat sinking, net breaking load of fish. Okay, what did Peter do after the fish were all in the boat? What did he say to Jesus? Because that holiness of God, he realized who he was dealing with. And when you realize who he is, many, many times your first thought is, depart from me because I know who I am and I know who you are. You are the Holy Son of God. I, I, I can't even be in your presence. And that's what he said to Jesus. He said, go away. I'm a sinful man. But now he says, have you got anything? And he says, throw it to the other side. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it, is, it seems like Peter might be a bit slow every now and then. So this disciple says to him again, Hey, buddy, it's the Lord. Okay. Now when Simon Peter heard that, I mean, he's there, he's fishing, he's seeing everything. He's, he's, after he heard this one saying, Hey, I think this is for you. It's the Lord. When he heard him... Um, now, so when he heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire with coals. Look what Jesus is doing. When they came to the land, they saw a fire with coals. And fish laid on it with bread. Look what Jesus is doing. He says, Peter, the last time you stood around a coal fire, my boy, you denied me. And the enemy entered your soul and broke and shattered you. But I am the Lord your God. And I am your Redeemer. And I am going to restore even your emotions to the point where the next time you smell a fire... All you're going to think about is my goodness and what I am in your life and who I am to you. So they come to the coal fire and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just... How many fish did they catch when Jesus was standing and he spoke to them the first time? None. Zero. Now the goodness of God says, Hey boys, bring the fish that, that you caught. Who did he credit the fish to? To them. 
yet they had nothing when he spoke to them the first time. Jesus never changes. So you may have nothing in your bag. Sorry, it's Holy Spirit. You may have nothing in your bag. And you can come with something and Jesus will accredit that to you. Bring the fish, boys, that you have caught, even though five minutes ago you had nothing. So they come and now there's the fish and there's the bread on the coal fire. And Jesus takes Peter back to a time where something amazing happened with a few fish and a couple loaves of bread. Where, where, where Jesus did not do a miracle, the disciples did the miracle. Jesus gave the fish and the bread to them and the food multiplied in their hands. Because Jesus said, just sit them down in groups and you go and distribute. Jesus did not go to the 15,000 and give everyone a piece of bread and fish. That miracle happened in Peter and the other disciples' hands. So Peter now comes and he sees, man, this is the Lord. Where he did this before where I had nothing and now I have a net full. The, the fact that the last time I was at a coal fire, now I'm standing at a coal fire again, eating fish and bread, that when I was with him before, I multiplied, did a miracle because of what he did. And that is how Jesus leaves Peter and his soul. Not with a thought of, you denied me, I told you you would do it, and you said that you would, and there's none of that. It's like, right boys, throw to the other side, come and... And you don't even have to use that which you caught because I prepared even over and above that. You can take that and do with it what you want. But I've got more than that for you over here. You see, if Jesus wasn't into us having enough, he would have said, bring me the fish and kill that. But he said, here's already, it's done, it's cooked, it's ready. Partake of what I have for you. So he restored his soul. And he wants to do the same for you and I. Because it's no good, you and my body is whole, but we walk around with a broken soul. And every time you, you hear the word marriage, something goes off in your mind because you have a picture of your house and your family or what happened in your life. And that word just brings hurt and, and bad and blackness and darkness to you. That's not his will. Every time you hear about children and people talk about kids and you think, man, my child... My childhood was so bad. Why would I? There's no ways I want to. And God's saying, no, I want to restore that. That's not of me. Every time you want to go somewhere, you want to step out of the boat for the Lord, the enemy comes and he says, remember what happened last time? It didn't work. Don't get out of the boat. Stay comfortable. Stay where you are. And Jesus says, come on, boy. Come, step out, Lord. Here I am. Come, I won't let you go down. It doesn't matter what brokenness is in your soul. He wants to restore that. He wants to restore you. May He keep you whole, spirit, soul, and body in every area of your life. So now Peter can make coal fires and every time he smells that, he will think about a beach experience where Jesus prepared food for him and the previous time was all wiped away. That's the goodness of our Jesus. Okay. Let's turn to the book of 1 John. We've got five minutes. 1 John. We'll start in chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2. And Chip, about three weeks ago, when he was speaking, he was speaking about the scepter of righteousness. And he was talking about a courtroom and the king being a judge. And this is what we're going to look into here now. 
1 John chapter 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. If anyone sins, not when we sin, if, if anyone sins, we have an advocate. Advocate is a word that we use in a court. We all know what an advocate is. When, when we hear about Father, we hear him being a judge. If you're a judge, you need something to judge over. There should be a courtroom for you to be able to judge in a place. So if he is judge, there's a courtroom where he is the judge in. And Jesus is our advocate. In other words, he is on our side. So this is also I got from someone else. It's just so amazing that when we hear about this, we don't really understand that word and think about what, what it is saying here. But what Jesus is saying is, you know, all of us have sinned. We have all made a mess of something. Some of us more than others. But we have an advocate. So Jesus as an advocate comes to you and I. And he is now defending our case. He is on our side representing us to the judge. And there is only one judge of human spirits and that is God the Father himself. David says when he made a mess and where he said, I've only sinned against God alone. So one day, even today, the enemy has no right to judge you. So don't let him come. He is. He has a job, and that's to be the accuser of the brethren. And he's had 6,000 years of practicing, so he's pretty good at it. And a lot of people fall for the accusations and the lies of the enemy. But he comes, and daily, whether you know it or not, you and I go to court every single day. And every one of us have been in jail. Every one of us have gone to prison because we were guilty of something. But according to this verse, Jesus comes now and he says, listen here, I'm going to represent you. So I'm here to help you. But in order for me to be able to help you, you need to do what I say. Are you willing to do that? And we would be wise to say, yes, we are willing. So Jesus does just... Oh, there we go. He says, okay... For me to be your advocate, for me to be on your side, for me to represent you, I'm going to give you a document. And you have to read through this document. And you don't say anything other than this document says. Can you do that? And we sometimes, when we come to him as our lawyer and our advocate, it's very easy to say, oh yes, no, I'll do everything you tell me. And he says, okay, well here, there's a document. Read through this. And you don't say anything to anybody unless I told you to say that. You don't say anything to anybody other than what I say of you. Do you get that? Is that crystal clear? So we would say, yes, no, that's crystal clear. So we are in the judge, we are in the courtroom, we are there every single day of our lives. And there's the enemy, the devil himself, the accuser of the brethren. And he will sit next to us and he will come and the judge, because he's righteous, he's just, he's fair, he will say, do you have anything to say about rifle, the accused? 
and you'll say, man, this guy is wicked. He did this. He said that. He broke that woman's heart. He took all of these drugs. He damaged that man. His mouth, he did. And he will go on and on, and the father will stop him, and he will say as a judge, okay. And then he will look to me, and he will say, okay, how do you plead, rifle? And I look at Jesus, because I know he's speaking the truth. Everything he said, that's true. I did it. But Jesus is looking at me, and he says, you only say what I tell you to say. Remember the deal? So I look at the judge, and I say, I plead innocence. I'm not guilty. And the enemy will go off, and he will say, that is, I caught this man in a lie. This is him. I have everything I can. And the father, who's the judge, will stop. And he will say to Jesus, the advocate in this case, who's representing rifle, the defendant, do you have anything to say? And Jesus will step up and he will talk to the judge and he will say, The judge, your honor, my father. I'm here on behalf of your son, my brother, Rifle. And I have to present to the court to prove his innocence something that I would call Exhibit A. And the father would say, Exhibit A, please be shown. And Jesus will say, there's a picture, that thick blood that Kate was talking about on the mercy seat. And the judge, your advocate, will say, Exhibit A, the blood on the mercy seat, is therefore my client rifle, he deserves no judgment. He's free to go. Nothing can be held against him. And the enemy will go on and on and he'll be so angry. The next thing he will say, rifle needs sickness and disease because he broke all of this. He promised that he would look after his body. He did all of it. And the father will say, do you have anything to say to the advocate? And he will say, your honor, my father. I'm here on behalf of rifle, my brother, your son. And I would like to present to the court exhibit B, if you may. And the judge would say, exhibit B, you can do. And Jesus will turn around and he'll pull off his cloak and there'll be lashes on his back. And he will say to the judge, exhibit B, the lashes on my back. And the father will ask me, how do you plead, rifle? And I will say, I deserve no sickness. I deserve no disease. I deserve nothing that the enemy will try and put on my body because of the lashes. And the father will say, exhibit B, the court accepts. And then he'll say to the enemy, have you got one last thing to say? And he will say, man, I have proof. I have a recording, I have it on DVD, Blu-ray, surround sound speakers, Absolutely, let me prove to you what a piece of rubbish this man is and what he deserves. And the father will say, go ahead, play. And he'll push play. And this is a strange part because it's so easy to understand that a child can even reason with it. But you have to be childlike to be able to get it. But it's so difficult, it's so amazing that it doesn't make sense to the natural realm. Because as soon as he pushes play... All that's on that DVD is pitch blackness. It's darkness. And you know, watching that, that's my sin. That's me. But as soon as you see that pitch black and pitch dark, it changes to, to something as white as snow. And you don't, you, you don't know how. You know how, but you don't really know how because that which was so dark and so black is now white as snow. And, and you think to yourself, what can, what can wash away my sin? And then the next thing you see is this Blood, thick, red, blood, pure, son of God, dripping down that screen. 
There's nothing that can wash away your sin, your sickness, your disease, but the blood of Jesus. So the video is so complicated, yet so simple to understand. And at the end of the court case, the defendant walks free, deserves no sickness, deserves no punishment because of that blood and that sacrifice and because of the advocate who represents us. So if you are here today and there's sickness in your body, if there's brokenness in your emotions, you do not deserve that. If you have come to your advocate and you have repented and you have said to him, I have done this and I'm not going to partake of that anymore. I change my ways. Now I say what you say about me because I am now in you. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Free to go. Don't deserve any punishment because he bore it. And that is what God wants us today. If there's anyone in here and you have either sickness in your body or your emotions are wrecked, because you were standing around one or other coal fire that the enemy put around you, I want you to come to the front now because God wants us to pray for you so that he can restore you to the way that he wants you to be. Spirit, soul, and body. Come now that we can pray for you. any area of your life if there's lack come here let's go to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in a time of need Father God the judge of all human spirits we come now to you in the name of Jesus And we stand in the courtroom where you are residing over the words that are said there. And we come standing next to Jesus, our advocate. And we decree that we deserve no punishment. If we have said anything else other than what Jesus told us to say, we say now that we do not deserve any punishment. Repeat after me. I am free I deserve no punishment because of the sacrifice of Jesus because of his blood I am free and the enemy has no right absolutely no right Satan you have no right to me, spirit, soul, or body. Jesus Christ is my advocate, he's my defender, and he says, free to go, free to go, no punishment. I come now and I confess I am free, no more. 
No more wicked judgment. But I receive the judgment of God that says, My child, you are free to go. Lord, we thank you for every person here. We thank you that your blood speaks on their behalf. The blood of Jesus Christ speaks on the behalf of every one of these saints here today. And we thank you, Lord, from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet and everything in between, they are washed, they are cleansed, they are made whole, they are free. Because if we have sinned, we have an advocate with a father who paid for that. Who says, my child, your sin I remember no more. And as far as the east is from the west, that is how far I will remove it from you. Therefore, you have no right thinking about it. Let it go. It is not yours. We speak to every body part. We speak to every organ. We speak to every soul, every will, every emotion. And we decree that you line up with the word of God which says you are to be made whole. And he paid for everything so that you could be whole. That is your right as a child of God. Lord, we bless you this day. We thank you for what you are doing in these people. We don't know, but you know, because you had your hand on them in their mother's womb, putting them together. Your perfect plan has never ever changed for them. So we decree that Ephesians 2 verse 10 part, that they will find that and they will walk in that because in that path is all their healing, all their provision, everything that they would ever need. And we declare wholeness, peace, the shalom of God on everyone standing here right now. And we bless them. We speak well of them. Everyone here, your body we bless in the name of Jesus Christ. Your soul is blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. No more thoughts of the enemy allowed to brew and fester in there, but just the thoughts of God in Jesus' name. As we take every thought which does not line up with the word of God, we take it captive and bring it into the obedience of Christ Jesus. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for leaving heaven, coming to that cross, so that today we can proclaim that we are free because of your grace. It is the goodness of God that brings man to repentance. And we receive and walk in that goodness today. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you. And we proclaim wellness over every person in the mighty name of our precious Lord and Savior and healer, Jesus Christ. Amen.